Welcome to Say Yes and Become. I'm your host, Leonard Lee, and I want to invite you to get ready to say yes. One of the most exciting and life-shaping words people say today is yes. And when we say yes to God, we become exactly who we were made to be. God is always inviting us to be his friend and to be his partner. It is an invitation to get close to him and then join him in what he wants done. Saying yes to friendship and saying yes to partnership changes everything. We're going to meet people whose yes to God has shaped their very lives and the lives of so many others. We will be encouraged, inspired, and we're going to find new ways to say yes to a friendship and partnership with God. So grab your coffee, get yourself to the gym, get ready for that bike ride, or do whatever you do when you take in a podcast and join us today as we say yes and become. Welcome to Say Yes and Become, and I am so excited to have two people that I've known for a long, long time uh, from my hometown of Sacramento, and uh, they're with us today, Lauren and Rochelle, and I'm going to let them introduce you, and then I'll fill in some uh, spaces along the way. Uh, They're going to introduce themselves to you, and so uh, you guys pick a number between one and ten, and whoever wants to go first, go first. Lauren and Rochelle, introduce yourselves. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm Lauren, and I'm married to the most amazing woman, Rochelle. Uh, we've been married now. We're working on our 15th wedding anniversary coming up this September. And, um, you know, I met I met Rochelle when she was actually working, I believe, for the same organization you were at one time, Youth for Christ. Yes. Um, and uh, she was serving young people and families in a lot of broken communities here in Sacramento. And I just I fell in love with, uh, well, with her, but also the God in her and what she was doing, how she was living that out. And we decided to create a family and, and live out our days together. And so we, we uh, we're super excited to be with you, number one, because uh, you're, you're always fun to be around. And I don't know how funny you are on your podcast, but uh, you're always a joy to be around. So, yeah. <laughs> well, thanks. Yep. Yes. So I'm Rochelle and I've been married to Lauren, like you said, for almost 15 years. Um, We actually have six kids. Uh, We, when we got married, Lauren was a single dad. And a month after we were married, we took in a little girl from our neighborhood that we thought was going to be a couple of months. And we ended up raising her and then we had three children of our own. So we have three at home right now, but our kids range from 24 to eight years old. Um, and you know, something fun about us, we, um, we're a musical family. Yep. We're a family of worshipers. The so Dittmore Von Trapp family. You know, so yes. people play and Ellie and Zion play keys. Um, we're also worship pastors. Yep. So, you know, music fills our lives. And then we have, I think we have like 14 animals. So everything from a guinea pig to a bearded dragon, we've exceeded the amount of chickens that we are we should have for the city limit, um, but By we do lot. have chickens and don't tell anyone, but we just got two more, two minis. Um, so we love animals and we live in the city. Yep. Um, we live in an old hood and um, I have a garage door that has barn doors. And so we pretend we live in a barn, um, but we live in the city of Sacramento. <laughs> All right. Well, that's fantastic. I know you guys, uh, we got to do some stuff together years ago and you're correct. Yeah. Youth for Christ is our old stomping grounds. And I think I was leaving as you were coming in. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, you came and uh, uh, visited the church that I was pastoring in North Highlands 
uh, yes. time or two, brought some, yep. some young people with you. And uh, Lauren, I think I first met you when um, uh, we were getting ready to plant a church all those years ago. And you were in that circle of church plants, doing some yep. music, some youth. Yep. And, and then we went to the thriving metropolis of Visalia uh, together. <laughs> Remember that? Right. Yeah. Right. Pictures that pop up every once in a while on my Facebook. That was fun. That was a ton of fun. And, um, and so it's just a privilege to have you guys here. And uh, let me ask you if you'll do this. Give me your very quick uh, description of City of Refuge, because uh, it's the most amazing thing. And it'll work its way back into our story. But I don't want to, yeah. I want them to know a little bit of what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, God planted me in a neighborhood 23 years ago. And um, several years ago, he spoke three words to me. He said, return, rebuild, return, restore, rebuild. Mm -hmm. And basically based out of Isaiah 61, that he was calling lost sons and daughters to return, that he would restore and they would become the rebuilders. And so, you know, I look at our journey. We've done after school programs for years. We have homes for women and children, some that have been trafficked, some that have been victims of domestic violence. We um, run programs in two motels. So, I mean, currently we're housing about 162 families. Um, but really, when you look at all of the things that we get to do, um, what the mission is, is to return dignity to restore lives and to rebuild community. And we believe that when kingdom plants, when heaven comes on earth as it is in heaven, that the, that the outcome is restoration. Yeah. The outcome is like Isaiah 61 speaks of, that they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will rebuild the, the cities that have been devastated and they will be planted as oaks of righteousness. Mm -hmm. um, and that is really the heart and the mission of City of Refuge is to see kingdom rebuild community. And what do you find in neighborhoods? People, right? Yeah. God's greatest treasure, people. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I believe so deeply and I've, I've grown so much because I was 19 years old when I heard the call of the Lord to the city. I mean, back then we called it the inner city and I moved to the inner city of LA and then ended up coming here to Sacramento. Um, and there was so much like rescue in those early years and so much of like unhealthy savior mentality and probably some codependency and, you know, all, all that stuff. Um, I think with a good, you know, there's a good bet to know, it and that you're trying to help people. For and, sure. But, but it you, is very self-serving You sometimes. just, you just, you grow. Yeah. God matures, yeah. he grows. There's grace. There's grace in our beginnings, right, yeah. Leonard? So much grace yes. in our But the thing that I, that's so beautiful about City of Refuge is that what the Lord just really has always shown me is that the poor are his treasure. And there's actually, they actually have such a powerful place in the kingdom of heaven. Yeah. You know, scripture says he chose the foolish things to confound the wise, um, that he would be glorified. And not that they are foolish, but the things that are seen as less, he actually places on high. And it's very interesting because, um, I have such a love for government and, you know, because of the work that we do, it's put us in rooms and spaces, very intimate spaces with some of the highest government leaders, um, both Democrats and Republicans, you know, mm -hmm. on both sides of the fence in, in our, in being Sacramento 
you know, being the capital of California, um, the spaces that we get to walk and not for the sake of speaking into an issue, but seeing people come to Jesus. I, I said to a friend of mine the other day who's running for something right now, she's in a position and running for a very high position in California. She says, pray I win. I said, I'm praying that you'll see Jesus. That's what I'm praying. Good on and, you. Uh, so, you know, it's uh, it's pretty fun what we get to do. Oh, man. I love that. I love what you say that you get to do it. I was, um, I read through the gospel several times a year uh, just because I want, I want Jesus's words to be fresh in my life. And um, in Luke 4, Jesus reads Psalm 61 or Isaiah 61. And he says, he says, uh, you have, the spirit is on me. And whenever that phrase is mentioned in the Bible, it always means power. And he has anointed me. And whenever that phrase is in the Bible, it always means purpose. Mm. So Jesus is saying, I got power and purpose. And and here's how I'm going to use it. I'm going to go preach good news to the poor. And the good news to the poor is not the gospel as we understand it, that Jesus died and rose again. The good news to the poor is the, is the withness of God. Yep. I am with you now. I am present yes. now. And your poverty is not retribution. It's just the result of brokenness in our world. Yes. And, uh, and God's plan wasn't to lift people from poverty, but to no. literally enter into poverty with Yes. Um, you know, he yes. who was rich became poor. So yeah. good, Leonard. And, and so um, you do that and you do that very well. You model that and you model the yes. The whole idea behind our, our podcast, this podcast is that something supernatural takes place when you say yes to God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When he says, listen, I want you to be my friend, come close to me, abide in me uh, yeah. and you will bear fruit. Go, you will go impact other people's lives. Um when you do that, and you guys have been doing that as a couple, uh, yep. you've been doing that as individuals before you met each other, mm-hmm. uh, you have wrestled through the journeys and the ups and downs of life and stayed in that lane. And uh, that to me is just uh, evidence of, uh, of the work of God in and through you. And so that's pretty exciting. Um, and so I just want to jump in with a question for you. Uh, that maybe um, you guys have already thought about a little bit. And if not, it'll be, uh, it'll be fun. Um, what are the most life-shaping yeses? When God spoke to you, he said, yes, you shared a little bit of one, uh, Rochelle. What are these most life-shaping yeses? A couple of them that you guys said, when God spoke to me, I knew it was him. And I yeah. said, yes, that what are those that you'd share with us? Well, you know, I think one of our first big aha moments was years ago. Um, you know, Rochelle, I, I, I think I, I always say I married into this thing because uh, she had already said yes. I had said yes in some, some things, but uh, not to this quite yet. But, um, you know, we were, we were actually, you had mentioned that we were all part of a, a family of churches and they, they do this yearly conference. And this was back in 2008, mm-hmm. 2009. And I was helping lead worship at, at our church. And so we got invited to be a part of the big worship team there at that conference. And um, Thursday, Friday, we, we, I played keyboard and sang with, with the worship leaders there. And it was fun. And then Saturday morning, I got a call from their stage manager, stage director. And they said, hey, we, we double booked. It's your choice. If you want to, you know, we, we've got another keyboard player too. But, um, you know, if you want to come in, that's fine. If not, there's somebody else. 
And uh, you know, Rochelle mentioned we had a we had a young family at the time. I I was a single dad and and brought two to this. And sorry, I probably have to edit that. We got a phone call at the same time. But uh, we we had uh, we had given the opportunity to to not show up, and so we did. And when we when we came home from hanging out with the kids that day, uh, there was this mess in front of our house, and and this kid had been run over. Mm. Some uh, it was actually there was a white guy that had hit a kid on a on a moped, and uh, an an oncoming car had ran him over, and it, what looked like pandemonium at the time. And this kid was young African American kid, dreads down to you know halfway down his back, and just we ran ran to the scene to find out what was going on. It happened to be right in front of my house that we were living in and on Ninth Avenue here in Oak Park. And uh, to make a long story short, there was this moment in life where we're sitting, holding this kid, praying over this kid that is fighting for his life. He, his head was actually ran over by a car. And you can imagine what that scene looked like. And I remember the Holy Spirit so gently saying, I pulled you off a stage this morning to put you in a gutter with people that are dying, people that are that are quite frankly losing their lives on the streets that I've placed you in. And it's not that the stage or that, that the gutter was more important than the stage, but it was this moment where we said yes to God to come off of a stage and, and to walk in, in people's lives and, and that, that were literally dying on these streets. And you know, Oak Park is a neighborhood that's like that. It's known for drug abuse and gang violence and a lot of, a lot of bad stuff that happens. And again, it's not that the stage was any less than the call to the streets or, or vice versa, but it was just this realization that your yes was more than just a stage. Your yes was to, to broken people and people that were really running for their lives. And that was, that was a marking moment for us that we said, okay, God, our yes is a little bit different than what we thought, but we'll say yes to that. Wow. That's a beautiful yeah. story. Thank you. Uh, our pastor said a couple of weeks ago, he said, we all need to become the donkey that divinity rides on. Wow. And I just went, oh, I'm going to write that down. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Let me write that down. Yeah. Right. Is that incredible? Yeah. Uh, we just yeah. need to become the donkey that divinity rides yep. on um, yep. Rochelle what is a yes that uh, that you would say this is this is a significant yes in my life you know I mean for me um, I was a child Leonard I was a little girl reading books in the library of my church of Amy Carmichael and Elizabeth Elliot and you know and Nikki Cruz crossing the switchblade it was my favorite movie I would want they had Hollywood you know movies back then and so I remember on Friday night wanting to check out that movie all the time <laughs> crossing the switchblade and so like I just really for parents, I just want to encourage you, like stir the hearts of your children um, and expose them to the heart of the father in the world. And um, I'm thankful for, you know, a mom and a, and a grandpa who really did. And so I just remember as a kid, like wanting nothing more than a life that radically followed after Jesus. Um, and so, you know, it was actually my senior year in high school, I was, uh, I had an opportunity to move to Nashville with another young woman. And we had this little recording contract at the time. And um, I was listening to Steve Green's, remember that song, People Need the Lord? Mm -hmm. And I was in high school and yes. I remember 
honestly, that was my first big yes, sitting in that little back house and crying and God just really breaking my heart as a kid that there is nothing more that I wanted than to give my life for people that needed Jesus, you know? Um, and then I think the other big yes is that when you, you do this for so long, you say yes again and again and again, like yes is daily, you know? Yes in your own failure. Yes in your own bumps. Yes when it's exciting and passion filled. Yes, when it's hard. Yes, when it's boring. You know, it's just like I don't think that that yes ever ends, and um, and it and every next season requires so much more of us. For me, particularly, I feel like um, what the Lord has really done in my life is that you know, really becoming a rebuilder and a restorer. Isaiah fifty eight talks about this. It says, in some of you. Your name will be called Restore, Rebuilder, Repair of the Breach, the cities where people dwell in. And I remember asking the Holy Spirit one day, like, why some of us? It was several, many years ago, I asked that question. And he said, because some of you will be rebuilt and restored enough that you, it will not be the work of your hands, but who you become is the restored, the rebuilder. And so it's not striving, but it's really a place out of our healing, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and so a huge, yes, even for both of us yeah. was intentional healing in our yeah. lives and, mm -hmm. and letting God go into those spaces and heal and restore where it's like, it's not the doing, it's the becoming. And it's crazy how God uses you, but really you live this life of him loving you and learning what it means yeah. to be loved sons and daughters of God and walk in that authority and power in this world. Yep. And the outcome of that is that God also loves the world. Yep. And so we don't get to take that credit for it. We just get to really learn to live fully loved by him. Yep. Yep. So. Wow. wow. I, I love that. That is, um, that's, a, that's actually very encouraging, I think, for people listening, uh, because so much of our, of our faith world is marked by doing. Yeah. Uh, rather than being and being yep. transformed. Jesus, uh, he said, follow me and I will teach you uh, and you'll become fishers of men. Yeah. He didn't say you're yep. going to go fish for men. Uh, right. It's who we become and out of that becoming. Yep. And uh, that requires all of us to do some of the hard work and the heavy lifting of God saying, I got to deal with that. There's something there that it's going to hang you up every time. Yeah. Yep. I know that's a, that, that's a part of the journey that I have, uh, this, this year, uh, this July marks, um, uh, 54, 56 years of following Jesus. And, wow. uh, and so, uh, that's old, old Leonard. I, I was, I was saved before I was born, maybe, I don't know. Um, uh, but that, that means that he spent most of my life digging. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what a gentle father we have. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, so persistent too. So um, as you guys continue to say, yes, I'm just imagining that um, there are moments when your yes has uh, uh, made you wish it was a no. Mm. When you go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't yeah. want to see that again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but what are some of those habits in your life that you say, we do this every day or pretty regular in order to stay in the yes, because 
you live and serve in a way that, um, well, people just don't last long. And you guys have been there a long time. You've seen a yeah. lot of people come and go. Yeah. I, I think uh, one of the things is we've gotten older too. Um, you learn, you learn a lot about the rhythm of life mm -hmm. and, and being able to, I think that the longevity has, has a couple of reasons why I think number one, it goes back to who God's called you and crafted you to be and really uh, being comfortable with that and not trying to be more than that, not trying to be something different and um, knowing that the who you are is exactly who God made you to be. And so like it lear learning to be comfortable with that, uh, what was, I think has, has really helped us in, in our longevity, but also the, the older we get, you, you realize the rhythms of life are so important and family, you know, we do, I, I love that our family is a part of what we do, Rochelle, you know, we, we still have three young kids still living at home and, and they absolutely love it. They don't feel like mom and dad are robbed from them, that time is being taken from them. They love city of refuge. They love getting to help people. I think, I think our kids are, are some of the biggest hearts in our home for people and, and we get to watch them love on people just as much as mom and dad. And, and it's, it's part of that, that family mission more than just like, Hey, this is what mom and dad does. And, and, you know, sometimes mom and dad aren't here. It, it's, it, we, we've, we've learned to balance that a whole lot better now. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What, what do you, you got yeah. anything there? I know. I was just counting because I was like, how many years since I moved to the city? It's 29 years. Wow. Uh, for me, 29 years. And, you know, that's when you look back and I'm like, I remember when we started housing and, you know, human trafficking was kind of like a hot thing in Sacramento at the time. And we were really feeling led by the Lord to open up a little house. And I think at the time, you don't know, is it a call? Is it my feeling? <laughs> is it? And I think when you look back and you're like, Oh my gosh, here we are. Yeah. 14 years of this, 20, 29 years of this. You really did call me. You yeah. really did, you really did craft me for this. You mm -hmm. really did craft, put your heart in me and, and make me for this, you know? Yep. Um sometimes I I don't think he shows you everything either. No. Like if he's if you knew what you were saying yes to, yeah. you probably you probably would say no. Yeah. And he gives you just enough to keep you excited, I think. <laughs> Cause there are days where you want to say no. And, and, mm. you know, it's, we don't always get it right. We, we, there's, there's tough times too. And, and you feel like calling it quits, but you just keep going. Yeah. Cause, cause he's just been that grace gracious to you and, and you just keep showing up. And I, and I think too, like learning to live in gratitude, like, That's you it. know, gratitude yeah. and peace is their weapons. Peace yeah. is a weapon of warfare. That's been a huge one. Oh man, in the last few years, especially, especially being in the capital, um, especially being in the capital of, you know, California, you can imagine, yeah. um, we had a lot of just unrest. We had marches in our backyard. And I remember one night standing in city hall and asking again, asking the Lord, like, what's our position how do, what do we do? How do we stand? People are like, you need to speak. You need to do this. You need to do that. And he spoke to me about the, the weapon of peace. Hmm. And, um, you know, peace is really a, a weapon. 
And yes. when we are carriers of that and, um, you know, it, it, it anchors us. We can't chase everything. Yeah. We have to walk in the authority mm -hmm. of that and gratitude and abundance. Mm -hmm. You know, we bring the opposite spirit into a, a, into an environment where you see poverty that's bound people, you live in abundance. What is abundance? It's having gratitude of yeah. just how much do we have being generous, living generously. And so those things, I mean, God has really given us equations that work, friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they they really do. They really put these things to practice. Yeah. They're not just spiritual disciplines. They really do work. Yeah. And and again, those are the things that create man, not so much of the doing, but the being. Yeah. And like you said, just really being able to love God and love our neighbors out of this space. Yeah. There's um uh you talk about the whole idea of peace, you know, when Jesus was, was describing what kingdom living looks like, he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yes. Um, and uh, I think some of the loudest people in the world are peacekeepers, not peacemakers. Yes. Uh, they shout, they shout peaceful slogans, but they're not peaceful people. Yeah. And, um, and I, that, that rhetoric has been ratcheted up uh, in, in my hometown of Sacramento, but across the world. Yeah. Uh, because he, he says, because they will be called children of God. Yeah. That word, that word children actually means adult children in the Greek language. Wow. They're the, it takes a, a certain level of maturity. Mm. Uh, and we always say, you know, it went back to Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And we always say things like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were willing to live in the fire and above the fray. Uh, and what happens is, is we have too many Jesus followers who would rather live in the fray to avoid the fire. Mm. Uh, they don't want to be in the fire and, and you can't, uh, your peacemakers, when you know how to live, they were at peace when they said, Hey, King, if you got to put us in there, put us in there. That that's not the sound. That's not the voice of an anxious person. Yeah. That's a voice of a person who has peace. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so something beautiful about what you said, uh, uh, Lauren, I, I knew you'd pick the word rhythm just because of music. Um, uh. But uh, I have no rhythm. And, and <laughs> so when you talk about that, one of the things I know is that um, you can hit perfect pitch. Uh, you can do all kinds of harmonies and grace notes. But if you don't have rhythm, you're still a train wreck. Yeah. And that's a lesson of ministry. Um, true. Finding true. rhythm. And so thank you for that wisdom that you just shared. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you got to rest. You got to play. You got to have fun. Yeah. And, and, and then there are times in seasons that you have to work really hard. And yeah. I think the gift there is knowing your season. You know, am, am, I, am I harvesting right now? Am I planting right now? Is it you know, is it winter, summer, spring? If you know what season it is, it'll help you know what to do. And so really recognizing what season you're in helps you know how to work in those times. And yeah. so like that's that's also part of the rhythm too, is just really learning to, to identify what season you're in and being okay with that. Because it's not always harvest. It's not always, you know, oh, wow, God did this amazing thing. Sometimes all you're doing is planting seeds and it's okay as long as you know what you're doing. Um, that's, you're, you're just, you're, you're going to find joy in that. You're going to find rest in that. And, and that striving piece, you really, you really learn to let go 
yeah. um, when you know what season you're in. Hmm. That sounds like a, a lot of what, of what you guys have been saying already is it's about knowing who you are. Yeah. Uh, it's about becoming something. Uh, we used to tell uh, youth workers, uh, I used to do all the training for Youth for Christ and yeah. did a bunch of other things. And one of the things we tell them is, I'd always ask this question, how many of you are here because you love kids? Every hand would go up. Right. And I would say, thank you. Um, man, I just love that you love kids. God loves kids. Yeah. But how many of you, um, that will only get you here. Mm-hmm. Uh, what keeps you here is a love for God. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, so give me just a couple sentences uh, um, on how, uh, how the love of God for you and return back to him affects mm-hmm. the way you say yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. I mean, just it's all for me, it's personal. We're, we're both, we both have broken paths. And, and when you understand the grace of God in a way where, you know, without getting into my whole story, I did share that I was a single dad. There's obviously some, some brokenness. There's some things that, you know, you know better and you go through divorce and you go through, you know, I was in ministry and, and, and the guy that should know better life came crashing down on. And, you know, for me, what we do for God is really just a byproduct of, of what, what he did already for us and, and the broken, unlikely person that God chose. It just keeps going and, and coming back for more. And, and I get grace in a really, really personal way. And so I just want people to experience what I've been able to experience. And that's for, for us, for me, it's really personal. That, that uh, keeps showing up. That's so good. So good. Rochelle, how about you? I think there's, you know, like Lauren said, it's like when you understand that mercy and that grace of, of Jesus in your own life, and he just plants that in you, it's, it's just overflow, you yep. know? And I think for, for all of us, like, there's a continual returning. It, even if you think about the concept of scripture calling us to be like children as adults, mm. right? Mm-hmm. It's a process of returning back yeah. to the simplicity, to the wonder, to the adventure, to the, to the purity of, of the gospel of who Jesus is. And for me, it's like, I don't know, when I was with my friend Kyron, you know, our, our homeless friend this morning in this beautiful space. And he said, Miss Rochelle, thank you. You know, I don't know what I would do without you. I said, well, I don't know what I would do without you. Yeah. Like you're my friend. And it's there's this mutual exchange yeah. that in the yeah. secret place, I really do believe it's these spaces that in a secret place, we really get to experience the wonder of God. And, you know, I have strange memories of like being 19 years old on skid row and like the smell of urine and in alleys and there's things that I remember and it's just like God was going after me yeah like he was going after me he took me to a place that I thought was my call but really what he was doing was he was calling an orphan back home Mm, and he took me to skid row to take me on a journey that he would begin to teach me about the God who goes after Mm -hmm. who simply says return to me return home. Yeah. 
And that is like, it's amazing. And then you look at it and you're like, wow, you actually did stuff throughout for other people out of this, but really I'm like, I don't mean to be self-centered, but it's like this whole journey was about you going after me and this mutual effect of like, when we really return to God, we just, the natural, we become generous. We become our lives, just the fruit of his spirit just manifests in a way we, we last week, one of our, um, one of our young ladies in the house, she's uh, 19 years old, when she came to us, um, she was 18 and her social worker dropped her off on our doorstep, no place to go. The foster home that had her didn't want her. She had been trafficked from 13 until 18 years old. And I mean, this young woman, so dark, so heavy, so broken. She literally had like, I saw her and I, I saw like darkness on her mm-hmm. and it almost like, I almost visibly saw like snakes literally slithering all over her. It was so, so dark. Most of her trauma had happened in religious settings as well, trafficking. I mean, you would imagine how much we hear that and see that. And um, she was a tough cookie. Those first 30 days, I didn't think we were going to make it. And um, we ended up finding out that she had this little dog. And this dog had been left in Santa Cruz and she had found it on the streets and someone who she had stayed with at one point had this dog. And I told one of my staff, I said, we need to go get this dog. (laughs) And we don't have dogs in our housing program. So our our older daughter said, I'll foster the dog. So we ended up calling Diana into the office and we said, hey, we need to talk to you. I heard you talking about Apollo. We're going to, we're going to go get Apollo. She just broke and she began to weep. And um, we ended up calling, uh, calling your friends, going and getting the dog. Well, about a week ago, I get a call from my daughter, Grace, and she's like, Mom, Apollo's sick. So worried to call Diana. And um, Diana hasn't wanted to have, have like any conversation about Jesus and church, like since she's been here. And, you know, she doesn't like. And there was some she doesn't really respond, Right. She too. doesn't respond mm-hmm. the way that yeah. she used to. Yeah. But you know, it's, it's been a process for her. And, um, so when Gracie called me, I ended up calling right away, called my friend, Sean from Bayside of Granite Bay. And I said, Sean, do you guys have a vet that could help this little dog? He said, you bet we do. They called up one of the members of their church and this vet in Granite Bay said, bring Apollo, bring him right to me. And, um, I called Diana. I said, Hey, I want you to know. I said, I called the church. And um, she just cried and cried and cried. And she said, one of our staff prayed with her for Apollo before they went. And, you know, it's like living a generous life and living a life of overflow. It doesn't just look like what we do living in Oak Park. You know, we live in a low income neighborhood. We live as a neighbor. It means living, using what we have to live life lives for Jesus in a way that really touches the world. And, you know, on their way home from the vet, I sent Diana a text and I said, Hey, I know you've seen a lot in your life, but there's a real Jesus and real people who love him. And I pray that here at city of refuge, that's what you really get to see because he loves you and he loves what's important to you. Hmm. And it's been amazing what broke in her since that day. And you know who broke it? A vet in Granite Bay and who, who lives in a house on the hill, you know, and God used that man to meet a need that looked small, 
but was so significant in a girl whose life has been so wounded, you know? And so I think for all of us, it's like, we may come from different spaces, but wherever we are, we get to live this story. Wow. I love that. That That's true. Um, We're going to take a quick break and uh, hear from one of our sponsors. And then uh, we'll be right back with some more questions and conversation. Today, Yes and Become, we are always excited when someone sponsors our podcast. Today, I am super excited about our sponsor for two reasons. I love the product and I love the people even more. Here's what most of us know. There are very few experiences that bring more joy than a great cup of coffee to start your day. From the first sip to the last, Papa's Roast Coffee is committed to making each cup special. Taken from a single origin coffee source, packaged in eco-friendly bags, roasted in small batches to get that perfect roast and shine on every bean, Papa's Roast Coffee is the perfect choice to start your day or share with a friend. I love to make a pot early in the morning and drink it while I read. We love the owners, Dean and Debbie Christ, and their commitment to the kingdom. Having personally watched the journey of Dean and Debbie that they have taken that moved Papa's Roast from an idea into reality, I can tell you with 100% certainty that Papa's Roast exists today because they said yes. Why don't you say yes to an amazing cup of coffee and order some Papa's Roast today? Papa's Roast can be ordered at papasroast.com and we'll also put a link in the show notes if you want to find it then. Now back to say yes and become. Okay, we're back and we're hearing from Lauren and Rochelle Dittmore in uh, Sacramento City of Refuge. And we're hearing some amazing uh, stories of how their yes is influencing others. And um, Rochelle, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, I worked uh, on Skid Row for a year mm. in college. I went to Los Angeles Baptist College and uh, uh, we worked at the LA Rescue Mission. And I remember mm. my first night um, going down there, this white blue collar kid stepping over dead bodies in the alleys, uh, completely thinking, what have I said yes to? Right. And, uh, I got up and I, they said, Leonard, it's your turn to preach. And I did exactly what I'd seen other people do. I had no idea what I was doing. And, uh, I preached about hell and you don't want to go there. And, uh, hmm. a man stood up in the back and he said, what do you know about hell? you're just a punk kid. And then the guy who ran the mission, uh, Joe said, sit down or you don't eat. And you know how those stories go. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, the guy sat down and when I was done, the normal thing was now you give an invitation, you pray with people, then you, you know, and such. And I said, I'm not doing that. And I went and sat in a chair and just wept. And uh, my friends who were with me said, it's okay. He didn't mean to hurt your feelings. I said, Oh no, these tears are not for me. Uh, my feelings aren't hurt. I'm ashamed of myself. Um, because the honest truth is, is he was right. Yeah. And I dishonored him and I dishonored everyone in this room in the name of my religion. Yeah. And, uh, and I said, I am never going to preach again at the rescue mission until I understand hell. And uh, my friends were like, oh, you're quitting. I said, no, 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 I'm not quitting. I said, I'm just not preaching anymore. And I found out that I actually preached uh, because I sat with people. I put my arms around them. Uh, 
I made sure they got seconds on their food. I gave them blankets uh, when they couldn't get out of an alley because of their uh, condition. I walked them in from the alley into the church mm. or into the, into the building. And uh, that was one of my first uh, steps into understanding that um, uh, we, don't, we don't love others from a place of, of wholeness. We love them from a place of brokenness that yeah. God is healing. Amen. Uh, you know, because we're all a work in progress, and and uh, I so appreciate uh, you guys and your story. You know, people aren't lucky to have me, uh, right? And that's how I felt when I went. Boy, they're sure lucky that this. No. <laughs> and I was lucky to have them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Yes, Leonard. Can I ask you guys? I'm going to go off script just a tiny bit. Uh, I want to ask. Who's, who's yes, someone else who said yes, that influenced your yes. We all stand on the shoulders of people in our faith and our lives and our mission. Who's yes, that somebody said, I said yes to God in my life. And that really influenced my yes. You listed uh, Elizabeth Elliot and uh, a few others, but somebody that you have this person, my grandpa, John Margosian. Mm. Yep. 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 So um, a part of my story is uh, I was actually the child of an inmate from Chino State Prison. And um, my mom had married him um, out of prison against my grandparents' wishes. And it was very short-lived. And uh, my grandpa was actually huge in like taking me out of that. A beautiful, beautiful part of that story was four years ago now. Yes. Um, I actually met my birth father, Leonard, wow. um, on the streets of East LA. Yeah. And um, it was incredible. And he was attached, carried a picture of me in his wallet his whole life as a baby. Um, it's... <laughs> that will be in the book one day. It, it really is the things that you think that you become um, by, not that anything is by chance, but when you really, how many people get to look back on their life of what it could have been, should have been. And you realize that the Lord just literally picked you up, pulled you out, healed you, sent you back for his purpose and his glory. I mean, that's yeah. so my story, but my grandpa was um, the chaplain of Chino State Prison as well. And so um, he was, you know, that man was my heart. And uh, he actually went home to be with Jesus the year, a week and a half after I moved to LA when I was 19 years old. I went to LA, I got a phone call and um, that my grandpa had gotten sick. He had been healed of cancer when I was in fourth grade. And I surely believe that a huge reason why God healed him was because he was an anchor that God had put in my life. Yeah. And um, he loved people. He lived out the gospel. He was a simple man, generous, loved the word of God, was a man of prayer, was not a man of a lot of words at all, was very pretty quiet. Um, and when he spoke, people listened, you know, he had such humility. But um, a week and a half after I moved to LA, I got a call that he had gotten sick very quickly. Um, a friend of the family came and picked me up and I got to spend the, la the last night with him before he took his last breath. And he told me, he looked at me and he said, you're the apple of my eye. And he looked at me and he said, be a Christian. 
be a Christian. You know, he didn't tell me to go into ministry. He didn't tell me to do all these things. He didn't, he just told me, be a Christian, be someone who follows Christ, like all the days of your life. And so um, it's very interesting that the year that I moved to LA, Mm. that, you know, he went home to be with Jesus and, um, you know, and so we, we actually have in our office, my grandparents lived in the era of like, Lucy and Ricky, they were from Turkey. And so like my grandpa slept in one room, my grandma slept in the other, not because they were mad at one another. It's what they did. And my grandpa actually had a picture of Jesus that was painted by a lifer that hung above his bed. It was the only thing in his room. And I remember when, you know, they were cleaning out the house and all of that, um, they were going to get rid of it. And I said, I want that. I've kept it forever. And it actually hangs in our office at City of Refuge today. I love that. I love that. Lauren, whose yes has affected you? Uh, so many. I mean, from my own dad, um, I, I, I watched God pursue my dad. He wasn't a Christian when I was a kid, and uh, he came from a pretty, you know, troubled youth and, and background. And I, the, my early years, I watched, you know, my dad was good at, at a couple of things. He was really good at drinking beer and getting in arguments and fights with my mom. And I remember that shaped me as a kid and on on the streets of Stockton, California. And, you know, that so much of that, of who I am today is because of how God pursued my, my dad and my mom. And I watched God take that guy and change him completely from the guy that I knew as a kid to, he became a children's pastor. And, and uh, one of his greatest loves was going after kids Um, We, you know, I I served in my dad's bus ministry and so got to watch God go after lots of people. And back in those days, the, you know, bus ministries, we would go out to the, into the crazy areas of town and invite a bunch of people to church. And that was the way we would go after people and we'd feed them and and all of that. But I watched, I watched God love people through my dad and uh, Mm -hmm. not a perfect guy by any means, but I, he, he had a huge love for God and, and that was hugely impactful. And then, and then another guy that was, uh, probably the reason why I'm serving God as an adult as well, uh, Sherwood Carthen, um, you knew him and, uh, he loved me back to Jesus in, mm-hmm. in a way that few people did. And I was a washed up worship leader and youth pastor that had been through a divorce and thought God was done with me. And, yeah. and that guy loved on me. And the way that he loved on me wasn't by putting me on stage. It was, he invited me to his house and barbecued and cooked for me for almost a year straight, him and his wife, um, when no, when, and nobody else knew my story, but they just, they invited me to their home and loved on me for a year before they put me on stage. And they knew that I could sing and that I could lead worship. And, but that wasn't their, that wasn't their gig there. He said, I remember him one day, he said, I don't care what you do for our church. I don't even care if you play, just let me love on you. Let me be your pastor. Yeah. Let me hang out with you. And that marked me forever. And, mm. and to this day, my dad and Sherwood Carthen, and there's, wow. you know, I had a youth pastor and, and some great people in my life that, that marked me, but those two men were probably the most influential guys in my wow. life. And I'm, I'm serving Jesus because of them. Wow. They're yes to God in so many ways. And I knew Sherwood well. Yeah, you did. Um, the um, their yes continues through you guys, yep. and that's 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 what legacy is. Um, yep. In John nine, uh, the disciples say, "Who's who sinned that this man would be born blind? Uh, was it his parents? Was it him? What you know? What's going on?" And that was the mentality of faith at the day. Goes through the whole story. Jesus heals him, and then nope 
you're not the blind man. You just look like him. And he kind of shoots back. So you guys are asking me questions. Do you want to follow him too? They get mad and they throw him out. But at the end of John nine, there's two groups of there's two, there's two camps. One camp still calls him a blind man. Mm. And the other one calls him son. Wow. Do you want to believe? Do you want to know Jesus? He, one says you're mine. One says you're a blind man. And the yep. yeses that you describe of other people are people who live in that second camp. Yep. They're not sitting around going, oh, there's the blind man. There's yeah. the divorce guy. There's right. the byproduct of, uh, of a broken marriage. They're going, no, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so that's, uh, that to me is very powerful. Um, here's a question. Um, that I have for you is when, are there any yeses that still give you pushback uh, that you go, you know, I know you're, you want me to say yes to that God, but I fight against that. Yes. Continually. Uh, do you have any of those? Hmm. Uh, Losing these 15 pounds I put on during COVID. <laughs> does that count <laughs> it's it's it, it's it does count actually i know Leonard, and i literally said it on a podcast that's going all over the world oh guys goodness. i'm going to say yes <laughs> well you know what let's go have some uh, brownies and talk about it there, i think that's a great idea i think it's a great idea so what's that sentence in the bible i buffet my body and make it my slave right yeah right. so yeah um i think I, physical I'm, health is a big one Break this brownie and make it my slave. Right. Uh -oh. <laughs> what about you, babe? I just like confessed my, you no, know, soul you, to the world. <laughs> no, the, the yes that we still get pushback. I mean, there there are yeses that that I think you asked it in a in a different way, but I think when we started doing housing, we had we'd been serving people in our community for a long time and after school programs and all of that, and hundreds of kids, you know you look back at the years of, of all of that and, and not that we not that that's any less than what we did but when we started doing housing wow we're getting a phone call um but the you know when we started doing housing i think our famous last words were how hard can this be we know these people we 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 know what it's like and and then you you bring them home and you can't send them anywhere you know when your program's done at the end of the day, you send them home and, and you, you fed them and, and they might have been crazy, but you get to go and you get to close the door <laughs> and, and you get to live your life at, at one point or another. But when they're living in the house that you're taking care of, there's a whole different level of yes. Mm. And I think after that first year, we, we both were like, oh, no, I think I think we missed it here. We probably bit off more than we could chew. We and, did. And, well, we did. But <laughs> But it was definitely part of God's plan. And, and that first year, we had actually applied for our very first grant. And we, I think by accident, or maybe God had set us up, we got it. It was $10,000. We thought was, it was so much. It was a lot time. of money. It was a lot of money. <laughs> I was going to pay the mortgage for, for most of the year for this house that we had opened up. And, and we were like, oh, no, we have to fulfill this grant. So it made us do it again for the next year because we had to fulfill our promise with this. And begrudgingly, we took the, not begrudgingly, I think we were, we were happy, but it was also this, oh no moment. Uh, what are we going to do? We have to keep going. And, you know, it's just, it's those yeses that, that it, 
it was yes, but but like, oh man, we got to keep doing this and keep showing up. But then God just keeps gracing you and keeps giving you enough for the next for the next yes and the next yes. And you don't see how he's going to keep answering, uh, but but he just does. And yeah. and I think that that is the the pushback that you feel is like sometimes you bite off more than you can chew and you don't realize what you said yes to, and and you you do want to quit and you or you do want to second guess this thing and and but he just keeps he's faithful and he keeps giving you just enough to to keep you going and and you know the bible says thy word is a light into my feet and a lamp into my path and it doesn't it's not always this huge floodlight that that gives you light on the the entire future sometimes it's just enough for the next step and i think that's that's the gift of of you know not too much and it just keeps you taking the next step but it's also um, you know, it, it is the grace of, of, of the journey of, of God in our lives. That was really awesome, Lauren, but now I have to go lose 15 pounds. <laughs> so you, know, you, you get to, you don't have to, you get, I get to Leonard. I That's get, right. right. You know, I also love, you know, I think when I think about my, my yes, it's like, I look back on 29 years and it's like, wow, I really did say yes. But I look, this scripture just also just comes to my mind. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And I just, a part of the goodness of God is not, I can't look back on this and say like, wow, we did this all this time. It's like, no, he also in our weakness, in our wandering, in our running, he is so true to his promise where he preserves and protects even our yes. And you realize that like, he holds on to us, you know, he really, really does. And, um, it's out of goodness and kindness and mercy, but I mean, that is, it's like, he preserves us for his namesake, you know, there's, um, there's a nuance to the Hebrew language and Hebrew was my second favorite F in Bible college. Greek, (laughs) Greek was my first. Um, but there's a nuance, nuance to that sentence because it, it's a well-worn path. Um, mm. And when you describe other people's yeses, those are people who literally put their footprints on that path before yeah. you. And you're not guessing where the path goes. You're following where the path goes. And that's why he leads you. And there's just something really fun about that. Um, City of Refuge is this phenomenal ministry, uh, community service. You have programs, um, uh, basically, I as I went through and knowing you guys some, and then also just knowing what you do and following along, uh, basically, you guys um, package hope in ways that people can take steps in hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, one step at a time, I do this, uh, whether it's your refuge housing where you uh, create safety and place. Uh, by the way, that's one of the first things God created in the Bible was place. He said, here's a garden where... Yep where life can be lived, Um, whether it's your school partnerships, whether it's uh, youth engagement, your school partnerships, whether it's, uh, I love, I loved uh, the, the sisterhood one day uh, as reading through that is going like, that's the coolest thing ever. Um, All those things that you do and your community engagements, whether it's your, your house, uh, your, the way people don't understand food scarcity in the city uh, and food scarcity in the city you know, we think, well, just go to Safeway. Well, there is no Safeway. There's a liquor store uh, that has beer. 
and cheese. Yeah. And um, you guys do such great things. Uh, we're just a small nonprofit. Our, 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 um, our ministry uh, goes around the world training disciple makers. But uh, I want to I want to um, just make a commitment to you guys that we're going to give you a thousand dollars. And if anybody wants to match that, let me encourage them uh, give to this ministry. You we're going to put a link to the ministry in, in the show notes, but we're also going to put just your give page there. Uh, and we're going to ask anybody who hears these words. Um, and this will air on the 30th, I believe of May. Uh, anybody who hears these words, uh, would you jump in Um you know, blow them away uh, so that it doesn't just match, but it blows up and, and uh, more than a $10,000 grant that they have to fulfill, but really right. a pool from which the generosity of God can yeah. flow. Um, I want to give you another question here. I, that's, we just want to make that commitment to you. Um, Thank you. Love right. you guys. Um, you talk a lot about hearing God. Hmm. Um, there's people out there right now saying this, I have no idea what God sounds like. Right. And uh, we tell stories of miraculous fire came out and the room shook. Uh, yeah. I very rarely hear God that way. Um, and then we talk about, um, you know, God leading us places in well-worn paths of righteousness. His, his yeah. word tells us where our feet are and where they should go. And, um, how do you guys speak to the people listening right now and just say, here's how we hear God. Um, and maybe you can give them an insight as to how they could hear God in their life. You know, I, we were at a family conference a couple of years ago and I heard this phrase, we heard this phrase and we, we repeat it in our house to our kids all the time, but they said, the Holy spirit is a chatterbox. He's always talking. We just have a hard time listening. Mm. Sometimes I think it's because we dismiss the, the present voice that's there. And, and it's mm. all sorts of ways that he talks to us. It's not just like an inner hearing in our, mm -hmm. you know, where, where you almost like hear a voice in your heart. And sometimes it's that way. But sometimes you just, you know, things that you shouldn't know, or you know them in a way that you didn't normally know it. And, mm -hmm. and like, I really, that's the way God really has, has made his voice. If you would clear to me is that mm -hmm. there will be just this knowing that I didn't know before in that way. And, and it's, there's, there's, you know, a presence and a peace yeah. that comes with that, where there's, there's this, this real concrete, whether it's a yes or a no, or a this way, son, um, you know, I, I, I want you to talk to this person. And, and it's almost like this inner argument. I don't know what to say. Don't worry. I, I, I got you. I'm going to give you the right words to say, or, or to be able to speak. And, and just, it, it gets easier. The longer you follow Jesus, that it gets more clear. Um, but sometimes, you know, to me, it's not like a, a rambling voice where I just recognize, oh, that's God speaking. But sometimes it's just a, there's just a knowing there that mm. this is the way I'm supposed to do something or say something. I think for all of us, it's, it's different. Like he created us, he formed our being. And so our design, I, I really believe that 
the voice of God, like he speaks to us, even according to our design. I think, I think that, you know, for me, and one of the things that I teach my children is to, to talk to God about everything and throughout the day that, you know, prayer is not just this one hour set apart, our time that we set apart and we spend in the word. It's being constantly in communion and connection with the father and having ongoing connection, having ongoing connection in a way where it's like, look at that squirrel you made. Why did you like talk to him? (laughs) Just make a habit of talk to him and, and look for him and listen for him. And when you see accidents on the freeway, speak to him and conversate all throughout the day and you'll begin to realize that even our thoughts are not our thoughts that he begins to intertwine himself within us that you recognize him you know for me i i have a very childlike heart and a very childlike relationship with him so i see things that lauren's like i don't hear god like you hear god but it's i'm jealous sometimes really it's it's very it's very real and i think it's like having an awareness that the presence of God is within us, you know, it's, it's, it's within us, it comes out of us and it's around us. And if we, if we are constantly walking in his presence, we will strengthen that muscle of connection with him where we recognize his voice. You know, I remember just being younger and being like, is that me? Is it you? And I, you know, like taking those notes, like, I don't know but it's just staying in that connection and he strengthens that and he grows that and you begin to recognize his voice, that mm-hmm. pull, those ears, those thoughts, you know, of like, I thought of that person three times randomly, really? And then you find out, oh, this happened to them. Ah, God was telling me to call them, yeah. you know? And so I think when we're connected to the vine, you know, mm-hmm. in his word and walking in communion with him, we have to know that he has our being. The spirit is alive and living and breathing inside of us. And so our thoughts belong to him as well. Yeah. Follow it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. That is um, that's so practical for people because uh, I think there's folks who hear these words and think, well, you're a pastor or you've been doing this forever. You must recognize God instantly and the honest truth is is i'm stupid uh i don't i don't sometimes i'll go like a whole day and i think oh that was you you know yeah that was you talking about uh yeah you know and and i think uh you give such practical insights for people to hear god's voice um is there is there anything else you want to say to somebody listening uh who's going i i it's too late for me the yes days have gone. Um, I got asked me a long time ago, I said no, and now I can't say yes anymore. What would you say? You know, Leonard, I really believe that we are living in the days where when scripture says that children will prophesy and old men will dream dreams again. I believe we're living in those times. And it's amazing how we are watching on both spectrums of things that in our home that are coming yeah. out of our children that I'm yeah. like blown away. My eight-year-old, my 10-year-old, the things that God is speaking to them, the 60-year-olds that are going back to college and getting master's degrees and running, like running, like yeah. putting their running yeah. shoes on. We just um, full, full-time coming on with us on, on June 1st, 
We have a 63, almost 64 year old um, pastor who ended up working at Folsom State Prison. He's had an incredible journey with the Lord. And two years ago, God spoke to him and said, go back and get a second master's. And he went back to William Jessup and became an LMFT. And he's ready to give 10 more years and run. And so there's never, there is never a too late. It's, you know, there's never a too late and it's never too small. And if we just aim to take that next right step and just say, God, I want to live out my days for you. I just believe the world is in a space right now where the army of the Lord, he needs all of us. Mm -hmm. And it's time. It's time for us to not be complacent and to not be overly ambitious, but for loved sons and daughters to rise up and say, until as long as we have breath, we are going to walk as loved sons and daughters and carry out the authority of the gospel of the gospel here on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah, I love that. It's never too late. Yep. I love what David says in his apparently latter years. He said, he said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken yes. and, and, and goes on this journey of talking about how God has continued to show up in his life year after year. And he says this, he says, but now that I'm old and gray, I will not let a day go past that I do not show and declare your good works to the next generation. And there's this, this responsibility for people that have been walking with the Lord for a time. And we've got, we've got grayer and whiter hairs and, and it's not our time to rest. It's our time to pass on the baton, this race this race of faith to this next generation. And there's this responsibility to not sit down, but we actually have to be active participants in that. And there's a part of the Lord that, that we've been able to experience that it's our job and our opportunity to pass on. We can't do that sitting on the sidelines. You can't, yeah. you, you, well, you can, but only as a coach, not as a spectator. The only way that you can pass on to to the next generation is by making sure that you're still in the ear of somebody that may be doing something a little different than you, but you've got to pass on what you have of the Lord to the next generation. I love that. Um, John, first John says, I write to you fathers because you know him. I write to you children because your sins are forgiven. I write to you young men because uh, you fight against the wicked one. Yeah. And these, then he repeats it with a couple uh, little nuances. Um, when Jesus, or when John writes those words, he's, mm-hmm. ca- he's calling us to be sages. Yeah. And you guys have been around long, uh, long enough. Yeah. That you, you know, the father. Yeah. That's, that's the thing you, you know, the father. Um, and we have a lot of people who, who uh, need to take what they know of the father and share that with young men. And, you know, I was in Jamaica a few years back uh, doing some serving and ministry and the Holy Spirit kind of dropped that into my soul. And I was mad. I was super mad because I kind of like fighting. Um, I like to be a warrior on the front edge. And God said, it's time for you to become a sage. And I was like, ah, but I don't want to. And he said, what do they, what do they call you in every country you serve? Father. Papa, mm. daddy. Yep. I was like, I'm already doing it. Shoot, you got me, God. And uh, I embrace that. So um, 
I'm going to wrap up with this. Is there anything else you want to tell us before we wrap this up? And uh, thanks again for being here, man. I so appreciate you both. Oh, Leonard, we're just honored to, to be able to hang out and share some of what God's been doing. And, you know, I love the title of your podcast or, or the, the theme of it is, is just saying yes, just showing up. Yes. And I think that's what we all get the opportunity to do is to just say yes to showing up every day, yeah. whether it's in our family, whether it's in our in our communities. I, I just I think that we've got a great opportunity. It, it the days that we're living in yeah. shouldn't just scare us. Yes, there are some terrifying things going on around the world, but it should also excite us yes. because the darkest days can be the brightest days. And it's yeah. only they're only going to be the brightest days if we keep showing up. I believe you. I believe yeah. you. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, saying yes. Uh, I grew up in the era where they told us to say no. There's all these yeah. bad things. Say no to that and say no to that. Yeah. Right. Uh, what I discovered is that um, when grace arrives in my life, it pronounces me dead. Mm -hmm. And the only way to move past that is to say yes to it. Yeah. Uh, and once you say yes to, to that grace and to God's uh, work in your life, um, that's when we become, and that's when our no shapes is shaped to say no to ungodliness, to say no to right. things, right? Yeah. They don't fit into what I've said yes to. They're not on right. that path. Uh, you guys have modeled that you live that out. Uh, Lauren, you speak of grace, uh, as a, as a full fledged participant. And I so admire that, uh, mm -hmm. I'm proud of you. Um, I've known you for a long time, watched you for a long time. Uh, I'm proud of the man you are. And uh, Rochelle, I, I met you when you were young, uh, younger, you're still young. Um, <laughs> and uh, I've never had a thought, anything other than, uh, wow, I am so grateful for the way God speaks to you and speaks through mm -hmm. you. Uh, mm -hmm. So thank you both for being here. Um, how do they find city of refuge how can anybody listening find that uh, yeah city of refuge sac.com sac like sacramento city of refuge sac.com you can find us there instagram facebook yeah. same thing city of refuge sac and uh you know we, we actually get a lot of the messages uh we have some people that help us with it but we're, we're still pretty involved in the day-to-day -day communication so you can you can get us there real easy also, join us in prayer. You can pull up hopebelongshere.com. Um, it's our capital campaign, and we believe what the Lord has put in our heart is to build a 102-unit, what we're calling a restorative housing community, um, where um, we're basically building Christian community here in Oak Park, and um, it's where lives will just continue to restore and real discipleship happens, yeah. and it's elderly, it's formerly incarcerated, it's families, um, but it's those who have been outcast that really don't have those opportunities to rebuild and um, and restore. And we believe that God creates beautiful spaces of honor for those who have been outcast. And so that's what we believe he's called us to build here. Yeah. It's a huge venture. It's a $10 million project, but it's a drop in the bucket for, for the King. So yeah. just pray for us as we really believe like it's time we're stepping into that season. Yep. Uh, Hope belongs to I will put both of those in the notes. Yes. Um, uh, and if anybody wants to find you, you're going to be pretty easy to find. Yes. And uh, I'm just grateful for you guys. Um, 
we're going to get out of here because I want to make sure that I honor your time and people are going to be coming in from school and everywhere else uh, yes. soon. Uh, thank you for giving me an hour and a half of your time today. Absolutely. Wait, Leonard, we yes. all need um, the donkey what? Uh, be the donkey divinity rides into the city on. Yeah. Is that incredible? Yeah. I mean, yep. Yeah, my pastor said that a couple of weeks on Palm Sunday. Okay. So like, oh man, I'm gonna write that down. Me yep. too. Yep. So, hey. All right. Love you guys, and I'll be praying for you. Thank you so and much. Thank okay. you again. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on Say Yes and Become. Make sure you follow us on Say Yes Pod on Instagram or Twitter. Like us wherever you find us. Leave us a good rating. And we will see you next time on Say Yes and Become.